0: over the first 30 plus years of my life as a believer, as a minister, and as a missionary in uh, a lot of the countries of the earth. Check it out. Anthology From the Forefront. Book two, Getting Closer to God. It's on Amazon.
1: Welcome to From the Forefront, an FX Missions podcast with your host, Scott McClelland far and wide and sometimes here at home. These bold and courageous souls that answer the call to missions have a steely metal that insists pioneering be part of their daily routine. Let's gather today and learn from those on the forefront. Here's Scott.
0: Hi, Scott McClellan here with your FX Missions from the Forefront podcast. Thanks for joining us. It's great to be with you again today. And we kind of have a special edition here that we do from time to time on From the Forefront. We've got a book review edition with Dave Buring. Dave, hi there. How are you doing? Hey, Scott. I'm doing good. Thanks for letting me hang out with you today. Oh, yeah. No, thank you for your time. And very excited to be talking about a book that you have recently uh, published. With the help of your team there, it sounds like, at Lion's Share, very excited about uh, your next publication here, and thanks for taking a minute to talk with us about it. What's that title again? It's called The
2: Great Opportunity, and it's subtitled Making Disciples of Jesus in Every
0: Vocation. Okay. Well, that, that to me is pretty interesting because I think sometimes we think about discipleship and vocations maybe are slightly disconnected, and at least hopefully I'm not the only one who would observe that. (laughs) But what do you mean by when you put discipleship and vocations together? Unwrap that for us a little, would you? Yeah. So there's
2: actually, it's been a, a phrase that we've just seen kind of emerging through the things we're doing and several others called vocational disciple making. And mm-hmm. when I think of disciple making, there's several fronts for me. One is, you know, that you would be familiar with Scott, too, of foundational disciple making, somebody just responding to Jesus yesterday. How do we get them grounded pretty quickly in some things? And then formational disciple making, which you can build on the foundational where you begin to form more the image of Jesus into their life and form their, their spiritual life. How do they hear from God? How do they relate well to people? What the heck is spiritual warfare? Why do I go to the nations? You know, all that kind of stuff. And vocational disciple making is helping people understand how they can express God's character in ways in and through their vocation. So in other words, the end game is you're growing people spiritually through their vocation so they can recognize the missional role that God has given them in what they do. So it's not just going to your work just to get a paycheck. There's something much, much bigger, eternally bigger that I think God has in mind.
0: That's very cool. Thanks for kind of unwrapping that for me. And as you say, this is a growing theme. In our times, I certainly, as a as a small business owner, we celebrate twenty years this year in our business, and I can promise you, it's been a faith journey for me. <laughs> Even mm-hmm. maybe before the language was uh, quite developed as the way it is now, vocational discipleship, and to me that that kind of intimates doing all things as unto the Lord. It does as a, the essence of what you're saying. Is that true? Yes, very much so. And I think
2: oftentimes, you know, we have found, I'm 61, Scott, and I found that, you know, as a kid growing up and speaking to people that are my peers or older, there was always the unique dynamic of the difference between secular and sacred. Mm. And when I'm working now with late teenagers, 20s and 30s, something, those into their 40s, that dichotomy is pretty much gone if they're a follower of Jesus, they know that everything that they do should be under the Lord for his glory, for the advancing of his kingdom. But particularly the younger ones will look at me and go, I know that's supposed to be true. I want that to be true. I'm willing for that to be true, but I don't know what it means. I don't know what it looks like. Mm -hmm. And the difference that oftentimes I think can help simplify this is oftentimes when we speak of work, It's in the context of being salt and light, right? It's how do I share my faith? How do I be a witness in my attitude, how I do my work, how I relate to people on the job? What we're talking about here is taking it a step beyond that. So in other words, if you really want to see society be impacted, the way that we have to do that is we have to find fellow followers of Jesus within our vocations that maybe aren't as far along in the Lord as maybe our own journeys are, and we begin to disciple them in the things of God, and we help them look at their vocation through that grid. So in other words, a business guy comes to me. He's a top 10 sales guy in his company throughout the country. He's got a team of 14, and his boss, his higher-up comes to him and says, hey, we need to cut two of your guys loose just because of Where things are right now, we're just trying to stay lean in the midst of the success. And he comes to me, my friend, who's this top ten sales guy, and says, "Dave, how do I do this as a follower of Jesus?" And he said, "I know what the world would do. You leave a pink slip on your desk, their desk, and say you're out by noon." And he said, "That doesn't feel like it's the right thing." I said, "No." His name's Bruce. I said, "Bruce, you're right on." And so we talked through the process of Romans twelve ten: outdo one another in showing honor. How can you honor those two people on the way out the door? And he did a magnificent job of it. He met with them individually, shared why he needed to cut them loose, told them why he regretted he had to do it. And then he brought them in front of his team. And once he told them what was happening, he had his team all affirm them and thank them for all the contribution. He wrote a letter and said, hey, as many of these as you need to make copies of on our letterhead as as endorsements and references for your next job. And then he sent them on their way with a decent check that he knew would take Mm -hmm. care of them for a month or two while they're looking for another job. And so he honored them and they said to him, man, this normally would have just stunk, but the way that you treated us has made all the difference in the world. Well, see, he allowed a taste of Jesus's heart and his kingdom to touch those two men's lives. So their transition from where he was working to where they were going was much different.
0: Wow. That is instructive and maybe slightly correctional.
2: <laughs> to some
0: of us, I'm not sure who, Dave. Uh, yeah,
2: yeah. That's inspiring. Well, it's, it's, and it's fun for me to see when people apply the ways of God, and just for our audience, so they're on the same page, whenever I say the ways of God, what I mean by that is how God does things. You know, we know if you want to be great in the kingdom, you need to become the greatest servant. If you want to see the grace of God really kind of spilled out, we, we need to walk in humility. If we want wisdom, we need to walk in the fear of the Lord. And so it's taking those kinds of scriptural truths and making practical application of them in the lives of the people that you're discipling so that as they serve and lead in their vocation, that's what leaks out. Hmm
0: that's powerful and i'm i'm looking forward to getting my hands on a copy <laughs> of this book we're we're talking into a little bit maybe we can take a step back here and i've just got a, a few questions as we've shared before but i'm just curious how you was it a bright bulb of an idea that came mm-hmm. to you one day wow this is this is something I need to write about. Maybe it's something that came on more slowly and developed as an idea. How did how did you first get struck with the idea of this book? Well, it was really a
2: culmination of about four decades worth of, of ministry. And our team, it was something that had been in my heart, but it was a matter of timing. And several of my teammates nudged me, not quite two years ago, but about two years ago now, and just said, hey, have you... Have you considered the timing of when when this maybe needs to be written and so my wife and I as we do on these kinds of things just waited on the Lord to try to get a sense of timing and and then I set out the summer July and August of 2019 to begin to tackle this and so that's when we begin to tackle it and you know I couldn't be more pleased at the timing of its release here coming this year in light of where society is the huge you know, gargantuan impact that we've had this last year between COVID stuff and racial issues and political mm-hmm. tensions. I think it's caused a lot of people to step back and maybe have a good look at what they're doing with their time. And so it wasn't just the light bulb it was kind of a culmination of things and some encouragement from my team to seek the Lord on the timing of it. And we couldn't be more grateful.
0: Wow. That was maybe more strategic than was immediately obvious, or at least went in, yes. in the initiation there. Thankful yes. for that. Yeah. that And a budding author here or writer or whatever I end up being. <laughs> you set aside a good amount of time there. This is kind of an aside question. How much time did it take you? Obviously, the ideas, the things you've been working on all, over so many years, but mm-hmm. in pulling the book together, I'm guessing it took most of that July August time frame you had set aside. Yes, it did and i I learned on a previous
2: book, actually, my wife, Cheryl, was very helpful to me in this she She noticed I was just chipping away on it, you know, and I would take a day you know here and there and and if I traveled, I would just use the plane time oftentimes, you know, just to pull my computer out and keep chipping away on it and she she said to me, honey, do you think you would gain ground if you just had nothing else to do but this? I said, yeah, totally I would. And so we carved out in a previous book, a two week period of time. And literally in that two weeks, probably got 75% of the book done. And so taking that model from, it was, I believe 2011, 2012, Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. pulling it ahead to this, I I had just totally out of the blue, you know how the Lord kind of Bait you in a good way at times. And I had a friend of mine just randomly send me a note and said, Hey, Dave, take a look at this and get back to me. You're welcome to use it at no charge whenever you want. So I opened this document and it's a beautiful cabin about 45, 50 minutes away from where we live. And he just said, mm-hmm. If it's not being rented out, consider it yours to use. So I, I sent him a note and in uh, May or June, of 2019. And I just uh, said, Hey, thank you for this. It's very kind of you. Here's a time, two time frames where I'd love to use it for a week here and a week here. So I did a week in July and then we were gone on a trip and then came back and had uh, another week. And I would say that probably two thirds of the book was written during, you know, those two weeks that was away. And it, and for me, Scott, it's the kind of thing I—I I just stayed by myself. Cheryl came up at the very end for a day, but it gave me my own rhythms. And I'm—I tend to be an early morning guy, so I'd be up early, mm. kind of just get tuned up to the Lord with a little quiet time, and then boom, I'd pound away. I took a break for kind of a brunch instead of a breakfast mm. or lunch, and then pounded away. Took a little shut eye for a half an hour in the middle afternoon. And then worked on it till about four thirty. Then I worked out, ate dinner, worked another two two and a half hours, and then watched a, a TV show or a ball game about nine at night till ten. Then to bed and start over again, because I had no other responsibilities. I probably got eight to not nine hours of writing in a day during those seven
0: days. Wow, that's super instructive for me, and I, and I appreciate you sharing it because I—that's one thing I've taken in my approach is the chipping away, (laughs) the chipping away approach, which is it works, but certainly at a slower pace than what you described. Yes. Yeah. Very helpful. Thanks for sharing that. So just getting into a couple of other of these questions here, is there a category of books of this kind that's emerging? I know some of this language is in development is coming into more mainstream, maybe Christian vernacular, if you will, you know, the the vocational discipleship. But how is this similar or what comes to mind in in terms of what does it compare to? Yeah, that's a great question.
2: And it's one we had to wrestle with because it is a bit of a new category. But there is a growing section called Faith and Work, where you have books that are connecting you know, the whole dynamic of your Christian faith along with what you do day to day in your job. One of the great ones on that was published, I believe it was 2012, Tim Keller's book, Every Good Endeavor. And the subtitle is Connecting Your Work to God's Plan for the World. And that would be a like kind of book, you know, that I think helps people get a feel for, okay, is this just a, a nine to five? Like, did God just put me in here to provide for my family? Or is there ultimately something more? And so Mm. the salt and light category of how do we be salt and light is, there's tremendous books out there on that topic. So if your listeners are hungry to know how to do that, there's tons of stuff out there. This book is focusing much more on disciple making, like how do we grow already followers of Jesus to, let me say it this way, through their vocation, know how to reflect God's character through what they do, his ways, not only in their day to day work vocation, but as extensions, like you as a missions guy, you would know this. It's like, how many friends do you and I both have that we know in their vocation, they're excellent at this. And then it translates on the mission field as a huge blessing. And so we often use language in the book of in and through your vocation. So in your vocation is it your day to day work, and then through your vocation, meaning taking those skill sets you have and using them maybe to bless the nations.
0: Mm. Yes, m- makes sense, man. I would think that the salt and light category that you're talking about do I do I have it right? That started emerging. About 20 years ago or or yes. in, in the last 20 years, I remember God at Work and some of these other books that yep. that started to come on. Yes. Yeah.
2: Do you remember the um, the one Roaring Lambs? You know, so there was that was another way. It was, yes, I'd say mid to late 90s, the salt mm-hmm. and light at work began to emerge more and more. And there were, you know, workshops and seminars and different things on that. It's just been in the last couple years that we have found, to be really honest, very few, but some like-hearted people that have recognized this same dynamic. It's been something for me that got deposited in me, Scott, when I was eighteen, nineteen years of age, with youth as a missionary with Youth of the Mission (YWAM) mm-hmm. and. And at that time, Lauren Cunningham, the founder of YWAM, and Bill Bright, who is the founder of what's known as Crew Today, Campus Crusade, were comparing notes about how God wanted to impact society through his followers. And so ever since being an 18, 19 year old, the end of my teens, this concept has been in me. And then it over time got really married to disciple making. And I just begin to think, wow, if we could disciple people. In the ways of God, for their lives and how they go about their vocations, this could be transformative for a society. For example, I'll illustrate this. I, I got a call two weeks ago from a young man that I've poured into. He's a pastor. He's twenty-three, and he said, "Hey, Dave, would you have time to potentially disciple a eighteen-year-old senior in high school?" I said, "Well, tell me about him." He said, "Well." He's an all-state quarterback in his state as a high schooler and he's just received a scholarship to go to a college and play football. And he loves Jesus, but he's never been really grounded. And so mm. we met last week, had a great conversation and he's going through our we have a tool called a discipleship journey that is a it's a one-year walk of discipleship that you can take people through and help them grow, and so you know at this point I expect him to be through maybe a third of the first chapter. He said, "Man, I went through the whole first chapter. I'm on the. I mean, the kid's hungry. He wants to grow, wow. but wow. I'm also viewing it not only through the lens of this young man who loves Jesus, but who may go on to play professional sports, who may go on to you know another career, and if I can start impacting him with that thinking now." then everything that he's learning will be run through a grid of, oh, that's something Jesus has given me for my tool belt here. Oh, that's something that I see how it's this part of it is grounded in the word. Oh, and if you can get this started with younger people, it just goes a lot farther, a lot faster.
0: Absolutely. Thanks for taking up that challenge. And I'm just thankful for, you know, the the whole tool set that you guys are bringing to this effort, and I'm sure that a lot of it is plowed into this book. We're talking with Dave Buring, The Great Opportunity, Making Disciples of Jesus in Every Vocation. It's a new book that he's recently published and is in the process of getting out pretty excited about the impact that this book is going to have. I know the Lord leads us and he doesn't do it without intention or without purpose. So I'm, I'm really anticipating a huge impact. And as we d- talked before we pressed record, the kind of outcomes that'll be a result of this book. What, what type of contribution do you th- believe the Lord intends to make with this particular book? Well, my hope is, first of all, that it would envision people to think about
2: disciple making differently. Oftentimes, in doing podcasts and some webinar things in preparation for the launch of the book, one of the questions that will come to me is, Dave, what's the difference between mentoring and disciple making, which is a great question. And my answer to that is, Mentoring is one of those things that you're able to pass on skill sets, knowledge, whatever it is that you do well to pass on to somebody else so they can learn how to do it. Disciple making, Mm -hmm. what sets that apart is it's always tethered to God's character and his ways revealed in scripture. And so in other words, it's never just a good idea or someone's suggestion or experience. It's actually grounded in scripture. And so we have a lot of people, for example, that, you know, will mentor people in leadership and it's really, really good stuff. But some of it, or maybe even a lot of it in some cases is based on someone's experience and it's really not grounded in scripture. So the person is not really able to stand upon it. And Mm. so one of the things we're hoping is it will envision people to be able to take a different look at this and to say, let's not only mentor, which is a great thing, but let's disciple them so they're grounded in their faith and they can begin to see you know, how this applies in their life. One of the conversations I often get into, Scott, around this book, and we take a portion of the book to address this, is how vocations are really rooted in God's character. And, and oftentimes people don't stop to realize how weighty, eternal, Destiny kind of stuff is related to their vocation. For example, Mm. God is the master builder. He's the one that told Noah the size of the ark that is to be gopher wood, how many rooms to put in it. He's Mm. the one that did the same with the tabernacle. He's the same that did with the ark of the covenant. Like God gets somebody who's called to be a master builder. Or we would know the same thing with government King of Kings, Lord of Lords, the Prince of Peace. The government rests upon his shoulders. Anybody who's serving in government needs to know they have an ally in their God. He gets it, he understands. He can provide wisdom through the scriptures and as we listen to the Holy Spirit in our prayer lives. If you take a look, for example, at uh, an artist, you know, living here in Nashville, I deal a lot with artists and you have God in Zephaniah 317 singing over people. You have Mm. his creation, the sunrise and the sunset, which is just incredible to watch. You have these kinds of things that are actually tethered in God's character. And one of my favorites is somebody asked me one time, what about technology? Like there's a lot of people that that's their calling, their career, their vocation. And I thought about it and here's what I realized is our technology, much of it is tied to speed. And the reality is God's processing speed is unlike anything we've ever seen in the fastest speed of anything we've ever done. (laughs) So even technology, one of the current things of the last several decades, it's rooted in God's character. So in the book, we take the time and and develop this theme around 12 broad vocational fields
0: to help people Mm. see that their vocations are actually rooted in God's character. I'm looking forward to digging into that tech side. I've got to say it. I've been in tech for all these years, and I'm... Intrigued might be the best way to say it. I'm not sure, Dave, but you, you you've definitely got my attention, and I'm anticipating some impact there. I I think in in my experience, at least, while the book would be potentially categorized in a similar way to others that are currently emerging, it's also in its own right unique. So that that sounds very interesting to me. If you're thinking about someone or some ones, maybe plural, that would be a kind of a perfect target for what is being shot at in this book. Can you give us a couple of examples? Uh, obviously, anybody in the vocational world who's trying to go deeper in in God, but there are examples of people that you develop this content around. Maybe they, maybe some of them would serve as a good comparison to who might be a perfect target for this book. And then we'll wrap up. Sure. I um, In the book, you'll find, Scott, that there
2: are 18, 19, 20, I, I always forget the exact number, stories of actual relationships of people I've walked in discipling relationships. And we've mm. shared some of their stories. We've used different names for them because some of them are public figures, but it lets them... Yes. Let's their stories get out there. And, you know, everything from this young guy I was just telling you about this young quarterback all the way to, again, the people that I work with and, and interact with here in, in the Nashville area certainly applies. It's for younger ones that are in college or just getting started. It's It would be one of those things that would help them view what they're going to be doing for the rest of their life through a kingdom mindset. For those that would mm. be you know, say in their forties and fifties and who are in their stride, it's the first part of the book deals with calling and recognizing that God just doesn't call us to be pastors and missionaries. He actually calls us into the vocations. And so we create a sense of value on recognizing that you were made this way. It's one of the things that I'll often tell people is when they're looking for the call of God on their life, I'll say, as odd as this sounds, Don't start by looking on the outside. Start by looking on your inside. How has God already wired you? And it helps people look at things a little bit differently that way. I, you know, I'm the guy that you want me to drive my car to Jiffy Loop. You're not the guy that wants me to try to fix my car or put oil in it. (laughs) And so the guy that does fix my car, I have great admiration for different skill sets, different gifts, excellent Mm. at what he does. And everybody who needs a car repaired is grateful to a a man or a woman that has those kinds of skill sets. They're different than mine. And here's the thing, they're just as spiritual because God put them there. And so I think, you know, somebody who is a little bit more seasoned, maybe in their 60s and 70s, this book will inspire you to almost create a whole nother career for yourself recognizing That there are tons of 20s and 30-somethings that will buy you as much Starbucks as you could possibly suck down to have time with them to invest the things that you've learned about God's character and ways in the scriptures to their vocations. So it's one of those things that I think depending on where someone's at, it'll hit them a little bit differently. Mm -hmm. But nevertheless, I think it will hit them.
0: Yes, absolutely. That second half, if you will, that some people have popularized in terms of you got most of your contribution, you know, direct contribution, and then you have your, you know, that second half to make a more indirect contribution or to the people you're contributing to the people who are now contributing. Very key concept. And it's one that I personally appreciate. We're talking about The Great Opportunity, Dave Buring's new book subtitled Making Disciples of Jesus in Every Vocation. As we're wrapping up here, Dave, I want to thank you again for your time. I appreciate very much your willingness to get on. There's been some publication of the book already, and there's some things that are coming very soon. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Sure. We had some copies that we received
2: last fall, but the public launch is actually coming up. Now, if people are interested in getting a copy of The Great Opportunity via Kindle, they can go on Amazon right now and they'll find it there. Okay. But March 30th is actually the physical book launch and will be available okay. on Amazon. So people can can head over there and uh, order it.
0: Excellent. Well, just in our parting comments here, once again, The Great Opportunity, Making Disciples of Jesus— and Every Vocation by Dave Buring of lionshare.org. There's a ton of content out at Lionshare as well. If you want to know more about the ministry, about Dave, about his team, what they're up to, there's so much talk, Dave, and I'm not trying to swing negative here at the end, but there's so much talk about discipleship, disciple making. Clearly, we know that from the scripture, this is you know second to none in terms of uh <laughs> what we should be doing and at the same time it sometimes suffers in application you guys are i want to commend you for your efforts in this regard not only at the individual level but in a broader sense and i feel like this book may be a way for you to have discipleship impact or what you've learned in terms of discipling others that could inform and equip us to do the same would you agree Yes, that would be my hope. And I, I am
2: encouraged with many different organizations now that are really giving themselves to disciple making. I was just actually exchanging an email today with a man who was telling me about a church that is beginning to look at actually creating something that can be multiplied that they're doing in discipling business leaders intentionally. And they're trying to figure out how they could pass this along, package it for local churches. And I think those are the kinds of things that we need to look at. We can't just look at people through the lens of men, women, younger, older, racial. We need to be able to look at people also through the lens of how God has made them and realize that if we can connect them with other people called to that same vocation, it can make a a very real difference in our society.
0: Amen. Amen. And and thank you for that. Thank you for overcoming the obstacles uh, to get to where you are in terms of life and also in terms of publishing this uh, worthwhile book. I'm thankful that you've done it. Would you just give us maybe a a few sort of parting comments that you might have and also tell us how we can find out more about what you're up to and we'll, uh, we'll call it a day. Thank you very much, Dave. Yeah. I couldn't agree
2: with you more on the disciple-making front. You know, one of the reasons people aren't engaged in disciple-making is because they often haven't had that experience themselves being on the receiving end. And yet you're you just nailed it. It's like it's the thing in Matthew 28:18 to 20 that Jesus asked us to do. But many pastors that I know and I walk with and love and res- highly respect they will confide in me. Dave, I was never discipled. Nobody ever took wow. to, I, I learned stuff in seminary and, but nobody had a discipleship 101 course. And so I don't know how to do this. And so oftentimes we have the privilege of walking alongside them. But regardless of what vocation we're called to, Jesus has asked us to make disciples. And so if we can ever, as an organization, again, you already highlighted this lionshare.org. We've got all kinds of resources to help people in their journeys, not only for their growth, but to help them become disciple makers. So if there's a way we can help, we'd be happy to.
0: Very good. Well, you've helped me and you've helped us. And thank you for taking the effort and your faithfulness in pursuit of calling that you recognized just a few years ago when you were 18. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, Scott. (laughs) Many blessings to you and, and to your team as well. Please give my regards. We look forward to having you on again before long to talk in more detail on some of the other things that you're working on. God's blessing to you and to your efforts. Thank you, Scott. My privilege. I am Scott McClellan. This is your FX Missions from the Forefront Special Edition uh, book review with Dave Buring, The great opportunity. Check it out and look for it on Amazon in terms of its public physical book launch March 30th. Thanks for joining. Until next time, I am Scott McClellan. If you need to contact me or us, please do so at fxmissions.com.
1: You've been listening to From the Forefront, hosted by FX Missions' Scott McClelland. If you've enjoyed this episode and you'd like more information on today's guest, please go to our Facebook page at facebook.com slash fxmissions. Please rate our show on iTunes or your favorite podcast provider. If you know someone who should be a guest on our podcast, we're currently reviewing candidates for upcoming episodes. Please submit their name, affiliation, and an essay of why their story needs to be told to info at fxmissions.com. And of course, you can always follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and our website at fxmissions.com. From Scott McClelland and the whole team here at FX Missions, thanks for listening. Till next time, have a great day.